The Lost Stagecoach Chapter 1 Securing four outlaws and a woman who would cut your throat if given half a chance was no simple task, more so if one intended to get a little sleep in the proximity. The first act of detainment was nothing more than manacles on the wrists. Each prisoner, one at a time, was taken to the outhouse to take care of any business that might arise. Once that was done, they found a couple coils of rope in the barn with which to bind the prisoner's hands and feet. They then coupled the five together with manacles from one's foot to another's. With a fifth set of manacles, they connected the feet of the ones on the end. Secured in such a manner, the outlaws formed somewhat of a circle. If they managed to defeat the ropes and run, it would have to be a very coordinated effort. Stone said he didn't think a circle of people could run in the same direction worth mentioning, and running in a circle wouldn't get them anywhere. Once shackled, they were allowed to lie on cots in the area that looked more like a bunkhouse than a bedroom. The deputies were kind enough to arrange the cots so they could lie in the manner they were bound, feet to feet. Stone, Leo, Cork, and Stubby took turns keeping them company throughout the night in case one or more might turn out to be a sleepwalker. Once the prisoners were secured, they dragged out the body of the man Stubby had shot during the arrest. About to partake of his evening meal when the deputies made their appearance, he made the mistake of going for his gun. They first had to remove his face from the plate before rolling him out the back door and away from the cabin. This taken care of, Leo and Stone brought the posse's mounts into the stable from where they were hidden in the woods. Rather than turning them into the corral, they were left in the stalls. At dawn's first light, three of the posse began the task of saddling nine horses. Five of the mounts were to be ridden by the outlaws and the woman. Much like the sleeping arrangement, they were coupled together with rope. The lead horse was to be led by a member of the posse. The other lawmen would ride, drag, and keep an eye on the prisoners. Once having saddled five mounts from the corral, the gate was left open, leaving the remaining horses to roam free. Likely, they were stolen from no telling where, but there wasn't anything to be done about that. Stone had been accompanied here by two full-time U.S. Deputy Marshals, John Cork Olson and Harry Stubby Johnson. Someone once speculated Cork got his moniker from pulling corks out of whiskey bottles. Stubby got his name because he was simply Stubby, at five feet six or seven, and somewhere around two hundred pounds. The fourth man, Leo Brown, having been deputized for this endeavor, was normally employed by the stage line as a shotgun messenger or guard, depending on how one wants to describe the position. Stone himself held the position as a special deputy marshal. This allowed him to follow his civilian career as an investigator while doing piecework for the district court out of Denver. It also allowed him to carry a badge, which he could, and did, call upon if needed. Having located the outlaw's lair a day before he'd been hired by Ken Hansen of the Southern Colorado Stage and Freight Company, Stone continued to Durango with hopes of enlisting help. Before he could make a retreat, he had been forced to kill four members of the rather large assortment of miscreants. Once in Durango, he'd been able to enlist the help of two other deputies simply because they happened to be in the area. Leo, a tall, lanky individual of indeterminate age, was the only civilian willing to contribute to this endeavor. The man could have been in his forties, he could have been in his fifties, 
Of course, in a gold-rich town like Durango, it was hard to find unemployed men with which to form a posse. Some might have considered Jake Stone a bounty hunter by another definition. He referred to himself as an investigator and preferred to think that was indeed his profession. He chose not to use the term detective, although that was fairly synonymous with investigator. The title of detective conjured an entirely different image from the type of work he performed. In the late 1800s, detective was often an arbitrary term applied to a hired gun who captured or killed rustlers. As often as not, it was the latter. In fact, Stone had never trailed a rustler unless he'd committed murder, robbed a bank, a railroad, or some other business of a significant amount of money. Of course, there could be numerous reasons someone would pay the kind of money hiring Stone would entail. Eliminating rustlers, per se, wasn't one of them.